What up, everybody? This is Beck, and you're listening to the Feedback Podcast, the only podcast about the Austin nightlife. And this week's guest is P-Tech, Austin rapper, founder of the Austin Mic Exchange and the Weird City Hip Hop Festival. And he gets to give you his feedback on the Austin hip hop scene. We also talk about trap music versus underground music, so many other topics, how he grew up in Iowa and everything. So definitely a good show. So let's go. Hey, this is Jeff Kirk, TNC Guru, and you're listening to the Feedback Podcast. Welcome to the Feedback Podcast, everybody. My name is Back. Thank you so much for tuning in, and I feel like this is going to be a great show. So, quickly, what we're going to talk about today on this episode number 94, we're going to do a little weekend recap. Uh, we're going to talk about a uh, little follow-up. Miko has a little follow-up on last week's conversation about the ride-sharing deal, you know, Uber and Lyft left. It's been a week. People well, it's stranded, it's, it's mayhem, people have new solutions. Anyway, Miko will break that down for us. Shout out to Miko, how you doing, man? Doing good, back doing good. Good to be back here a week later, keeping it going. Yes, yes, sir. Appreciate it, appreciate it. Uh, if you have any comments, uh, feel free to post them in the Mixler chat. Uh, we'll read them on the air. If you have some time later, we'll turn the phones on and you can give your feedback. No pun or pun, however you want to take it, doesn't matter. <laughs> also, later on, we'll be talking to, we got P-Tech in the house, and uh, we'll be talking about, you know, Austin Mike Exchange, where City, Hip Hop Festival, he has a bunch of stuff going on, the man's been around, he knows what he's doing, uh, and really hustling out there, so we'll be talking to him. Now, let's talk about last weekend. I gotta say, I was out Saturday night on West 6, which is like one of those, you know, I went because it was the birthday going on, I went to Rio, and Ja Rule was there. Ja, did you know he was going to be there? No, no idea. So there, like there was a long ass line. I didn't know if it was because it was it was for my friend's birthday party or it was, it was something else. But apparently, Jawo he had like the whole second floor, floor yeah. for him. And I'm like, damn, Jawo still cares. He still matters. All right. And there was a long ass line. <laughs> That's funny. It, that slipped by both of us then that we didn't know. I had no idea. I had no idea. But what happened? Uh, we just you know it's West Six, so you kind of hop around. You got Lux. You got uh, Brew Exchange. Dogwood, all that stuff. I went to the Brew Exchange, and this this dude, this has never happened to me before. People always walk up to me and ask me, hey, you should go dance with this girl. You look like a good dancer, or I'm white. I can't dance. You know that bullshit? Yeah. You know, uh, insecure white guys throw at you. And I look at him, and, and, he, and, and he, uh, he goes, I'll give you 50 bucks if you do the nae right now. Wow, did he just try to, like, pimp you out to dance? Pretty much. Weird. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah, I'm going to give you 50 bucks if you do the nae uh, and I'm like, dude, first of all, what'd you do with the $50 that you got? Fuck no. I'm, fried, man. <laughs> I'm like, I ain't no monkey. Fuck you. Yeah, that's, that's and I said, you ask, ask, I'm like, ask, I'll ask this dude for you. I'm sure he'll do it for 50 bucks. He's like, nah, but you know, he's white too. I'm white. I can't dance. I have no rhythm. Look at me. I'm like, yeah, I'm looking at you. And honestly, <laughs> you're full of shit. Because one thing I always say is I don't care what color you are. If you start dancing, however you look, nobody in the history of mankind, has walked up to somebody on the dance floor and said, uh, excuse me, you can't dance for shit. Get the fuck off. Right. That's never That's happened. True. Never happened in the history of mankind. So just do what you do. And he goes, all right, how about, how about $100? I'm like, motherfucker. <laughs> Double or nothing. I'm like, are you, are, you, are you serious right now? I'm like, no, no, I'm not your monkey. Go ask somebody else. And then I asked another guy. For him, and I said, "Hey, uh, this guy will give you hundred bucks if you do the nene." The song wasn't even playing, by the way. And uh, the guy's like, oh, "Actually, that's my friend." <laughs> not, he does this all the time. Yeah, he does all the time. He's drunk. Don't don't mind him. I'm like, "Well, fuck that." I'm yeah. impressed at your integrity. I mean, hundred dollars on the spot. Come on. I'd have done it for ten seconds. I'm like, All right. "Are you serious?" You could have done any dance. Does he even know what the nene is? Yeah, he does. Yeah. Uh, of course, he does. I don't. Mm. Any any song like with a dance in it, 
most people, most seen white YouTube. people know it. They've seen, seen Ella DeGeneres do it. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> if, if, whether it's uh, it's the Nene, it's uh, the Cha Cha song, anything that has some kind of dance in it, especially if the instructions are in the song, right. slide <laughs> to the left, slide to the right. Every wedding, every bar mitzvah, every oh, birthday man. party right. has it. So they The line dances. Curse exactly. of the wedding. And then uh, I went to Lux. Shout out to DJ Five O because he was dropping some really good stuff. And there were bash red parties everywhere. I, it's that season. It, it, yeah. I mean, I saw eight in one night. Wow. Eight. And I was hoping for a battle at some point, like bash red party on one side and dance <laughs> battle in the middle. Anyway. And then, uh, so Favo was playing at Lux and he dropped Suavemente at like w- 140. And the, the place had been, they'd been dancing, but not as, you know, uh, um, not everybody was dancing. And he dropped that and everybody went, oh! And, and know your is, crowd it's one of those moments where I don't care what color you are I don't care who you are but everybody think they can salsa yeah <laughs> <laughs> especially at 140 after about 10 oh, different dude, shots they started going off everybody was grabbing girls left and right and doing I mean it wasn't like <laughs> glorious on a Friday but it was still it was still a good moment and then right after that he dropped uh, Players Anthem Outcast with wow the video, what a follow up with the video and everybody sung along it was 155 the lights were already on but everybody was singing along. That was dope. Shout out to Favo. And then I got to say, um, went to Elysium, 80s night. They, do, they have an 80s night every Sunday at Elysium. You know, Elysium is a, you know, a rock spot, Yeah, right? yeah, like alt rock, right? Exactly. Yeah. So you show up and they have, you know, a sunken dance floor. They have a big screen. And they're doing retro. I mean, with the lasers yeah. and everything. And you see dudes in in black with tattoos and chains and studded belts and just dancing to Madonna and Human <laughs> League and freaking Janet Jackson. And it is the best, honestly. The, that was random. The guy didn't know how to mix. He didn't have to. He was just playing videos left and right. Yeah. But Shut it was so good to see people just enjoying themselves. Like people you wouldn't really think that would be into this kind of stuff. And all of a sudden, it just stopped going off. So shout out to Elysium. Every Sunday, it's 80s night. Uh, go check it out. It's a lot of fun. Good to know. I must note that Austin's culture really just is a good breeding ground for things like that. You can really right. do those kind of random theme parties and people will get into it. You never it. know. It's Sunday. Just walk around. You, you know, stumble into an 80s party <laughs> out of rock spots. <laughs> this is Austin. Welcome, everybody. All right. Uh, moving on, uh, Miko. Right. You want to follow up on the ride-sharing yeah. thing? First one said, good weekend recap. Good to hear about all that going on. So my weekend consisted of one of, one of the big cornerstones of my weekend was going out to a boat party. And it is that season as well. And, you know, funny enough, I were out there. There was a bachelor party on one side. And we only knew it was a bachelor car party because some of the girls from the, from the party swam over and were like, they, I said, you know, what's going on over there? Oh, it's a bachelorette party. I was like, well, there's a lot of dudes over there for a bachelorette party. Oh, it's a, it's a bachelor party. Sorry. I, I, my bad. I'm working. I was like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, who's, whose boat was it? A friend of a friend of a friend? Well, I was on a regular boat party just for a birthday. Uh-huh. And then just, there's other barges that park all next to you. Oh, okay. Yeah, it is that season. <laughs> yeah, it is that season. It rained. It wasn't great. But um, to get out there, so to go back into the ride sharing, to get out there, um, I actually live really close by Rolling Wood and Westlake, which is not in Austin City Limits. And so they actually still have access to Uber and Lyft. And I was actually I was able to drive, park, you know, 30 seconds away from my house and take a lift from there all the way to Lake Travis and then from Lake Travis all the way back. Um, just bear in mind, Austin, they can pick you up anywhere outside of Austin City Limits that's legal. And then they can drop you off anywhere within Austin. The law is they cannot pick you up inside Austin. Uh-huh. Right? So bear that in mind. These little if Sunset Valley is next to you or you live in Pflugerville, Round Rock, Georgetown, Westlake, all the little cities. Use those to your advantage. You can park over there and they can just drive you back wherever. Um, another thing to note, just want to throw it out there. That, you know, there's a people may have heard or you may have seen on Facebook. There's a black market brewing for ride sharing. Arcade mm-hmm. City. <clears throat> so Arcade City is one of them. They are technically semi-official. They actually had an app. For, for a few months. Oh, they, they did? Yeah, they did. I thought it was, just a, face, I thought it was a Facebook group. So it, it devolved into a Facebook group while they're retooling the app. Uh, uh, they don't have a hard date from the app gets released, but it's a lot more It's a lot more community-based. It's not as corporate as Uber and Lyft were. So, I mean, be on the lookout for, for Arcade City. They have a good little model coming up, but their app is not currently in the market. Um, they do have a, a Facebook page, and I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a member of like three different Facebook groups for ride-sharing, and you can just post in those groups and ask for a ride and drivers are looking in those groups and they'll come pick people up i mean that sounds great and like cool in a way a good workaround but none of those people are background checked you don't know who they are and 
I'm just really afraid it's, it's for the population. Weird. Like, yeah. I, I got an invite to the Facebook group, and then people are like, yeah, here's my number. Call me, and I'll come pick you up. I'm like, eh, that's, kinda, that's, that's weird. It, it's, it's ironic in that they tried to, the city of Austin, you know, did with this fingerprint thing, tried to add more safety to it through background checks, and now we're all using this black market that has none as a result of what they did, right? The law of unintended consequences is definitely coming back around hard. Well, are they, uh, I mean, the, 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 the it must be illegal at some point because if the city decides, hey, if you're actually getting money for a service and what, there's got to be an amount to where like, hey, you got to pay some taxes or some shit. You're, it's illegal because you're not the background check, you know, right. insured, whatever the, the policies might be. Uh, but if it keeps going that way and it just peer to peer and there's no structure around it, you know, the city can just shut this shit down. Right, but how do they do that? Do you know this? I don't know. <laughs> black market. It is a black market, and you know it's just interesting what it's come to. There's other alternative services. We mentioned some of them last week. I just want to get them out there on the on the webs. Uh, get me, which people have been complaining about that they've been using. Uh, drivers are apparently making a lot of money, but there's not a lot of drivers out there yet, and it's a lot more expensive. It appears to be forty to fifty percent more expensive than Lyft and Uber. Wow. Yeah. Uh, Wings, which goes directly to the airport, but they're talking about expanding their service across Austin beyond the airport. Warp, which doesn't seem to really be have much ground yet in Austin, but they're trying to build. Same thing with Z Trip. Uh, Fast and another one coming to the city, but they're not here yet. They're in Boston. Just be on the lookout for them. And of course, Arcade City, which was already mentioned, um, is coming out there. So just keep listening. We'll try to try keep try to keep up with any of you on the feedback podcast and uh, just br- shedding more light on this uh, evolving topic. Uh, one other piece I want to mention about this is that uh, when I road lift uh, this past weekend. Uh, I got to talk to the drivers and how the, how the drivers were affected. And, mm-hmm. I, of course, they've been affected very negatively. Um, both drivers that I, that I drove with both don't live in Austin and weren't able to vote. And so they're very disappointed that they didn't have a say Ew. in it. And they said a lot of people live in the suburbs and in Round Rock, Georgetown. One guy lived in Buda, and he said he just comes in Austin and he makes money that way. Uh-huh. Right? He's in the area. He just doesn't live in Austin, but he didn't have a say in it. And now it's affected his job. And then likewise, yeah. so he's lost a lot of income. And he said he was talking about all these under-the-table deals he was doing with people that he used to ride with or used to give rides to that he's now doing. And it's just, it's just a big hassle, and it's, it's just bad for everyone. And um, he also talked about how uh, not only drivers couldn't vote, but students couldn't vote because they're not registered here in Austin. You can, you can vote in a Texas-wide vote, sure, or mm-hmm. a national vote, but you have to be registered in Austin to actually vote on that proposition. And very few students are who are, who are some of the major users of it. Same thing with recent transplants in Austin, right? You may be, you may be registered in San Francisco or wherever all you Californians are that moved here. And, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, that's about right. <laughs> sure, you can do the Epstein ballot in, in California to vote in, in state and national elections, but you cannot vote for Prop 1, and a lot of them here couldn't vote. But they're the ones using the service. So a lot of people who voted were people that lived in the suburbs of Austin that don't use the service. And so just an interesting take on that. Cool, cool. Thanks for this little follow-up. And now, introducing <laughs> our guest for the day, we have the great Adam Protexter on the show, what aka P Tech, aka all kinds of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know where to start. How you doing, man? Good. How are you doing, man? Thank you for coming. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Local Austin hip hop, right here. Yes. Yes. Uh. Representing. Representing. Biggest hip hop fan. Biggest hip hop fan. I, I I think so. For doing what you're doing with Weird City. Man, I love hip hop. I just love hip hop. How did you? So much. How did you fall into? I won't say fall into it, but fall in <laughs> love into it. Uh, that's you really hip hop. No, it's really it's uh it was a thing as a kid. Really, um, it was just like what I happened to listen to. Um, like, uh, when I would be listening to music in the car, say my dad driving around as a kid, a lot of uh, '60s oldies stations that he would listen to. So I'm, I kind of was absorbing that that Motown stuff and found that's uh, kind of the music that I liked. And of course, I grew up in the I was a kid in the '90s, so. Um, that 90s R&B was like all over the radio. So it was both both sides of that. Uh-huh. So to me, I first fell in love with R&B before I fell in love with hip hop. Oh, like give me drop some names. Uh, man, like Boyz II Men and TLC when I was a kid. <laughs> <laughs> I know that's not like the, you know, the hippest thing ever. But uh, as an eight year old, that's what I was like listening to. My first tapes were uh, Crazy Sexy Cool, Boyz II Men 2. He uh, said tapes, by the way. For you younger yeah. <laughs> uh, audience members out there, tapes are these things that we used to, <laughs> used to put in the, in, the, in the player, and it had this magnetic band. <laughs> anyway, just look it up. Do your Googles. <laughs> yeah, Google cassette tape. <laughs> uh, Wikipedia. 
Uh, yeah, it's just what I was listening to. So I got those, and I had like the the Michael Jackson, uh, Janet Jackson scream with the B side, nice yep. uh, from uh, I think the Free Willy Two soundtrack or something <laughs> like that. But uh, yeah, it was just like uh, what I listened to. And then as I grew up, uh, you know, growing up as a white kid in in Iowa, um, all my friends were listening to like rock music, and uh, even when I started trying to get into rock music and stuff like that, I enjoyed it. But the stuff that I was attracted to was still like the rap rock. And at certain point rap rock like ooh. well when I was like 13 it was like uh I was into all that that family values stuff, you know, like the the family values tour like the the corn and ice cube and, oh, and okay, okay, okay. all that stuff. So it was like hardcore, you know, that young testosterone like boy music. But uh I eventually realized that um I think it was I think it was really Dr. Dre. I think it was the Chronic? This, no, it's the no, it's is a Chronic 2001. And it oh. was uh, it was the Watcher. I think that's the track. Dun, 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 dun. Yep, yeah. I think the Watcher Same is the track thing. that yes. did it. Because okay, so I saw Forgot About Dre on TRL. <laughs> it's all right. Yeah, TRL. <laughs> I saw Forgot About Dre and Still Dre on on TRL. Okay, so I I knew that I liked this guy. I knew that. I liked this Eminem dude, even though I was a little scared of him. Like I was like, he sounds like he's crazy. Uh, but uh, I thought Dre was really cool, so I bought that album. And then the first track on it after that intro is "The Watcher." Yeah, and I think that's the first time that I come into contact with real rap lyrics that had content because I knew I liked the vibe of it. But I'd see stuff, you know, like growing up, I'd see stuff like Big Pimpin', and so I'd go back and forth. I'd be like, oh, I love this Dre song, but I don't care about these girls on a boat and then like <laughs> i'm looking I, for substance yeah exactly <laughs> i wanted something like that you know what we all look for in music which is to express where we're at and big pimpin is something i could have fun with as a, an adult but as like an angsty you 13 try to aspire year old, to be like that <laughs> yeah no but i didn't squad want, goals I didn't yeah, want, right. <laughs> right um but yeah it was the it was the watcher man uh do you that, know that, do you know track, that song by heart pretty much yeah can you drop Things the first verse? the same for, for gangsters. gangsters. Times are changing. Yeah. Y'all, y'all niggas are able. Agent. Agent. <laughs> I'm old. I'm old. You agent. <laughs> well, I mean, I, thank you. I am aging. Yeah. But so that that's still, you know, pretty late in the game. It like, is. So it you is. missed out on the 90s I stuff. missed. See, that's the thing. Like, as a kid, I wasn't, uh, I just wasn't bumping into that. Like, the, the world I was in, I wasn't, I didn't have anyone showing me that stuff. I didn't have, like... There was no Iowa rapper just, just breaking <laughs> Well, there, there well, are and or Older now. brother. Do you have older brothers or siblings that? See, yeah. I have an older brother. He's 15 years older. And so he would introduce me to some rock music and stuff. But, oh, actually, I got to credit him for this. He did introduce me to Public Enemy when I was nine. And I loved it. I ate that Oh, up. wow. But I don't think that I got, I don't think that I, um, you know, it was just a few songs that I liked. I didn't process that this was like a whole genre i liked until i started real until really high school and then in high school i started i guess you start thinking for yourself a little more and exploring and wanting to find new stuff and then i found you know then i found all that gold stuff then i found i found nas in high school okay. and that's when i was like fully turned so my evolution was like basically like young kid into r&b into pop music but the r&b style of things not the rock not the alt rock that was also popular in the 90s you know yeah. more tlc than nirvana and then i get to uh junior high and i listen to this rap rock that sucks but i there's something about it i like right then dre explains to me what it is about that i like uh-huh. and then i find nas and uh most deaf and then i got sucked into the 90s in high school and then it was just full turn now I'm, now it's just like that's what so you went back and did your homework Exactly. And, and went through exactly. you know, Run DMC, Mob yeah. Deep, I mean, the, the classic stuff. Exactly. Like, Tropical was, Quest, all that stuff. Yeah, we would go dig through Goodwill CD bins and stuff and try to find old, you know, 90s uh, CDs that, you know, no one that were just there. So, yeah, I, I tried to actually build up a nice little, like, CD 90s hip hop collection. Uh-huh. Um, but, uh, yeah, it was. And then, of course, my friends, I'd tell them I was into this and they'd be like, oh, you should check out Black Alicious. You should check out this. You know? Oh, yeah. And uh, so you have good friends. Yeah. <laughs> Your friends have good taste. They were they're good. Yeah, they, they do have good taste. Uh, and this is all why you're growing up in Iowa. Yes. So, I mean, I have an interesting question. You know, growing up, I grew up in Texas mm-hmm. and. Where you grew up at the time also has an influence on what you tend to at least like at first in terms of your style of hip-hop. Oh, yeah. Did you have an initial style of hip-hop that you liked more than others? Was it was regional or that was just a, just a style in general? Yeah, mm-hmm. it was. Uh, that, that's a great point, actually, because so Iowa City is where I grew up. And Iowa City, I always describe as a, a tiny Austin because it's, uh, it's a college town, a super liberal, great music scene, but mm-hmm. it's smaller. Sure. Um, so uh, about three hours from Iowa City, 
three to four hours is Minneapolis. Um, and so, yeah, the, the Minneapolis sound was definitely something that I was also consuming. And so, like, um, you know, as, like, a white rapper in Iowa who didn't have, like, maybe had, like, one other friend who was into hip-hop, one or, you know, like, two, I want to say two other friends that were really into hip-hop with me. Was one of them black, at least? No, I didn't. I didn't. I, didn't, uh, I had to ask. Sorry, no, my no, no. It's cool. My school was a very was a very white school. Like as yeah, as Iowa is Iowa. Right. Yeah. Um. So no, but I. Uh, but I was like, you know, because of that, I think, um, because of the whiteness of it, not only did I feel like, um, a little boxed out from knowing what music to pursue, but uh-huh. also I had white friends who had no perspective who would constantly be giving me shit like. Uh, uh, you you realize you're white, right? Like when I started rapping, like, oh, you realize you're white, right? And I was just like, I grew to hate that. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, you know, honestly, to this day, uh, the people who give me shit for rap, for being a white rapper, are 95% white people. <laughs> of course. They're, they're, yeah. they're the one that feel the guilt. Yeah, maybe that's <laughs> it. They're the one with the, so when did you, you started like doing battle raps or yeah. was it like, you know, lunch you know, lunch on the table in the cafeteria, <laughs> banging on the table, so making beats. The or? way it started was similar to that, but I was in my, uh, I was in my bedroom. I actually remember this so clearly. I was in my basement bed. There's another Iowa detail, basement. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I was in my bedroom in the basement. Uh, my friends wandered in. My mom or dad must have just let them in. They walk into my room with a, a Chemical Brothers CD, hmm. and they're like, we were just trying to freestyle to this, and it was really fun. You want to try? And I was like, yes. And so they put it on, and I was like, uh, you know, it's it's techno. We didn't even have real beats, but I was good at it. And then we started doing that all the time. And then I was like, hold up, guys. I'm going to get on. Here's this is going to date me, too. I'm going to get on Napster right now. <laughs> well, for those who don't know, uh, <laughs> <music is disclaimer. laughs> no, Napster, LimeWire. Yeah. Uh, you know, so I downloaded all these instrumentals and I'd burn them to CDs. And that's what we would take in the car. And then basically junior and senior year of high school was me and my two friends driving around town. Uh, occasionally burning a little something and putting those CDs on and freestyling with each other and driving around the suburbs freestyling in the car. Um, and so freestyling is... And y'all thought y'all were cool as hell, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you know, when I see kids like that now, I'm like, uh, I, you know, there's what? that. Practice, 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 yeah, right? Practice. So that really helped. Having yeah. those and having it in the car and having that repetition over and over, that ritual of it. Yeah, exactly. Continue. Yeah, so, uh, I mean, that was it. And then we started writing from there. Let's, okay, we need to start writing songs. And then we wrote how old, songs. How, how old were you? 16, 17. Um, start writing songs. And then... Uh, Fortunately, um, this is one of the nice things about Iowa City. There was a youth center, and uh, they offered free recording to anyone under 18. Wow. Why so, don't we have that here? Well, that's a good question. <laughs> Waiting that, on you. That's something that I would I would very much like to see here and yeah, be, right. be a part of, to be honest. Uh, but, uh, yeah, so we recorded the songs. I still have them. They're, they're laughably bad songs. But, uh, but yeah. Uh, then, can, can you give me a couple? Just a couple of lines, man. Oh, man. I don't even. See, I was trying to write so, like. Well, who are you, who, who are you honestly, trying to be? Eminem. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah you should for the top already. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, look, that might as well inspire you from the best. No, I was trying to be Eminem, and I, I, I you know, wasn't. So it sounds like someone who's shooting way out of their talent range. Uh, but it was fun. And, uh, you know, long story short, I got to college, and uh, I started doing a hip-hop radio show with one of those friends and started recording my own albums in my bedroom and putting them out pressing the little labels on sticker CD labels and printing out all the things. You know, this was before, this was when CD Baby was like brand new and that was the oh, way to get. Wow. So you had to. For those who don't know, CD Baby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right? So, uh, yeah, so it was all, it was physical. I would I would hand manufacture 100 copies of something I recorded in my bedroom and try to get everyone to take a look at it. So why Austin? Okay. From Iowa City. Yeah, it's a great, well, first of all, there's a big, I think a big spiritual connection between the two cities in terms of uh, what they want to be, what they aspire to be. They both. Asp- oh, really? Yeah, because because Iowa City very much aspires to be like this hub of art and uh, music and knowledge, and to be pro- socially progressive and uh, um, just be a cool art town. And I feel like Austin tries to do the same thing. Like they. So to me, it's a natural thing. But to answer your question more literally and less mm-hmm. flowery. Uh, the real reason is is because I was working on a movie at the time. I took about uh, 16 months off from pursuing music towards the end of college to uh, finish um, shooting and editing with a partner named Louie, um, a feature-length horror movie. 
And we finished it, and then we uh, were like, okay, we got to go somewhere to fi- really finish this, you know, f- do the master edit, get sound mastering, all that professional stuff that we don't have resources for here. And so we, we talked about it, and it was like, L.A.? No, we were just in L.A. doing that scene, and I don't want to live there. New York? No, I'll feel like an ant. And then we were like, you know what? Uh, and then for me, so for, he decided on Austin, and I had to make the decision. I knew I didn't want to go to a coast, but I knew Austin sounded cool. Um, and for me, I was like, okay, so I want to pursue music and movies. So I can go to Minneapolis and go to Austin. And the reason I didn't go to Minneapolis is because I thought to myself, and this is a conversation I had with my girlfriend at the time. If I go to Minneapolis, I'm going to be yet another rapper who sounds like all the other rappers there Atmosphere trying to do the same everybody. thing. Exactly. <laughs> but if I go to Austin, I could, I could be part of something new. And that's, so I was like, if I go, I was, you know, I was like, if I go to Minneapolis, that city, there's a sound there. I'm going to get sucked in and I'm going to be a hustler like everybody else. But if I go to Austin, maybe I could be like the atmosphere who starts the new, like starts some sort of a new sound. So interesting. That was the, so, and, and obviously my film partner was already here. So I made the call and here I, and I, I love this city. Like this city is my home. This city is my home. When I go to visit my hometown, I love seeing my friends, my homies, and my family, but I get homesick for Austin. I love, I love it here. So you come here at what year? Like 2008. 2008? Yeah. So what was, I mean, you knew you wanted to do a hip-hop at that point, right? So I knew I wanted to, but I wasn't actively pursuing it. Okay. There's, that's the difference. Like, it was one of those things where it's like in your brain, like, I should get back to that eventually, but I have all this shit to do first. You so know? you finished the movie first? Yeah. And that, that took what? It took about, yeah, it took about two years of uh, not only finishing it, but actively trying to get a distributor for it, you know. Yeah. 2010, we found our distributor. 2012, it finally went out on DVD. But 2010 is the important year because I'd lived here for two years. I'd figured out the basics about living here. Because when I first moved here, I moved around rock like a moron. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> took some shitty realtor advice, lived in a gated... I, I hated it. It was Welcome terrible. Welcome to Austin traffic. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh... Yeah, the, the story between how I got into hip-hop from the movie is actually a pretty straight line. Uh, and this is one of those things that I always try to keep in mind. Like, everything you do leads to what you're going to do next, you know? Um, because, yes, I wanted to do hip-hop. Was it my number one priority? No, the movie was. But the composer for the movie was another guy I'd worked with in music in Iowa City. He moved here, too. Mm-hmm. And he made all this John Carpenter awesome synth horror soundtrack stuff. I think that movie, I think one of the strongest points of that movie is its soundtrack to this day. Um, he actually made the theme song for that game Octodad for PS4. Um, I don't know. It's an indie game. Yeah. I'm but uh, anyway, I'm going off on a tangent here. But the point is, is that that composer, Ian McKinney, I loved his compositions for the movie. And I said, I just talked to him and I said, hey, man, would you ever want to make rap beats? Because honestly, I think if you put uh, a click track behind this, you have a great rap beat. Like, you, you have just simplify this. So he's like, sure. And so we started a project called the Department of Public Safety, uh, which was a name he'd been wanting to use forever. Uh, I was, I was P Tech. And then um, we, uh, yeah, we made two albums together under that moniker. And that's the first show I played in Austin was uh, um, at Cheer Up Charlie's. Uh, I was in Cheer Up Charlie's. I was friends with some people in Sour Notes because I worked with them at, uh, at Toy Joy. Uh-huh. And they said, Tamara at Cheer Up Charlie's is really cool. Next time you're there, if you see her, just go, just go say, hey, I'd love to play here sometime. So that's exactly what I did. I walked up to her, had never met her. I said, hey, I'm friends with some people who know you. They said, you book here. I'd love to play here. She pulls out an iPad and is like, all right, let me see. Uh, will this date work? On the spot. On the spot in front yeah. of me. And if that could happen. If you yeah. don't ask Austin, you'll never get it. Yeah, that's yeah, true. Yeah, there's a lot of cool people operating stuff out there. So yeah. the so, answers always no. And then and then basically the, the end of that story is that after playing that show and after feeling that show on stage, I realized that that's what I wanted to chase for the rest of my life was that feeling. Because you... How was, how was the... Well, so you wrote the songs. Yes. Uh, your friend Ian McKin- McKinney mm-hmm. uh, produced the beats. Yes, you just it was just the two of you, and she was on up there by yourself in front of a crowd. Like, was were you nervous? Did you know this was your first gig in Austin? Like, first gig in Austin, but not first solo gig. So ah. I'd played by myself before, so I had a rough sense of you know like. And honestly, Iowa City crowds are pretty fucking difficult crowds. Really, uh, because it's a small town. The music scene is very guarded, and so people are very judgmental, and so you have to come with it. 
Um, so actually, I would argue it was harder for me to get my first solo show in Iowa City than it was for me to get my first solo show here. Oh. Well, here you just had to walk up to somebody and ask for it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And whoever's on stage is whoever's on I guess stage. So. I just walked into this bar and there's a dude on stage with a yeah. microphone in his hand. I mean, yes. To, no, I'm not trying to pretend that I've never been nervous. Yeah, of course I was nervous playing in this, a new city for the first time. Uh, but again, I, I think uh, I recently watched Patton Oswalt's new stand up and he makes a joke. He makes a comment in it about stage adrenaline, uh, stage health is what he calls it. Mm-hmm. You, he says you can have the flu. You get up there. You, your body will get you through that hour, you know, or get you through that half hour. Um, and so I think that's the thing. I had my nerves and then I just thought, no, I'm just going to I'm going to rap. I'm just going to rap. The beats are dope. My raps are good. We're just going to do this. And then yeah, it's good. Yeah. Nice. But well, did, did you know some of the I mean. Austin has a history in hip hop, uh, from you know Doug Mecca to uh, Plush to Hip Hop Humday mm-hmm. and Boombox, T Double, Bavu, Knickknack, like all those guys. Were you plugged into all these guys, or were you just I'm just here, I'm just doing my thing? Yeah, pretty much the second one. I didn't meet I didn't meet a lot of those guys until I'd already kind of been like playing shows and stuff for a year or so. Oh, okay. So it was one of those things where it was like, you know, I'm here, fish out of water, I don't know anything, I just start playing shows, and then eventually I start meeting people and being like, oh, I've heard about you, I know who you are. That's oh, Austin right there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's Austin. If you're into music in Austin, you're bound to meet the right people, people that know everybody. Yeah. You know, that's, that's just how Austin is. Whether it happens right away or 10 years down the road, you're like, oh, yeah, I heard about you, I've, you know, this is no party you've been doing for ten years, and <laughs> right? <laughs> no, that's that's so true. So then, um, the idea behind Austin uh, Music uh, Mic Exchange, sorry, yeah, was just to recreate that and give that opportunity to other kids. It's basically just to have a forum where people can get together, where artists can get together. Because um, to me, I, after I started playing shows here for a, for a second, um, you know, like a year or two of playing shows here. I'd been to a lot of shows, but I'd noticed that every show I'd played at, I would play with a different group of people. I'd play with like a different crew um, here and there. And so I started being like, I want everyone to play. I want us all to be in the same room talking to each other. Um, And eventually, uh, actually at first, um, what I approached Spider House and Jason Jason McNeely was the manager at the time who oh uh, um, yeah who yeah. runs the Volstead Hotel yeah exactly Barracuda so he was managing it back when it was the um, I want to say 29th Street Ballroom no it was the U.S. Art Authority actually back then okay um, same building but uh, I had been bugging him for a while been like yo can I do a hip hop night can I do a hip hop night and in my mind at first that hip hop night was simply playing hip hop jams and having a few MCs out but then I pitched my idea to Leah over at co-op radio who's mm-hmm. now my partner with AMX um, and when I pitched it to her she was like what you know I was like I don't know I want to bring people out we could do an open mic segment and we basically just talked about it and that created this this idea um, let's make it an open mic so that people who are veterans who've rocked a stage a hundred times and people who are getting on stage for the first time can be in the same room uh, the young cats can learn from the veterans and there'll be you know just the idea of strength in numbers you have more people in the same place you have people who are going to work with each other and you have producers and mcs in the same room they hear each other's beats or raps they might talk so for for those who don't know uh what is the what is the format it's the format is uh it's never changed well okay it's changed slightly but the rules have never changed the format is um we start with a 20 to 30 minute cypher i like to keep it on the short side of things because really it's for the rappers more than the audience Although people definitely get into it. So basically you get there, you sign up, and then uh, we, when the doors open, the DJ goes through a bunch of beats. We invite everyone up who wants to. You don't have to sign up for the cypher. Everyone raps for about a half hour, eight bars each. You get off the stage. So it's all about just like let's warm up together. Mm-hmm. Then for the rest of the night, it is uh, in line, down the list, straight order. Each person gets to do one song. Um, we originally gave everyone five minutes, but we had to temper that back because we had so many people coming out. We wanted to see more on stage. Right. So it was one song each. And then uh, after a while of doing that, we you know had to work out kinks in the lineup system. So now we do a thing where if you've never been on stage before, uh, you put a star by your name and we'll bump you up on the list. Oh, Se- good idea. Second Tuesday, if you're a female MC, same deal. Uh-huh. Um, so now we try to include these little like slight changes. There's a random night last Tuesday of each month where the lineups totally we draw it out of a hat. So and you also rotate. Uh, we rotate DJs, the DJs the and hosts. hosts. Yeah. Yes. So um, nice, actually, nice. so tonight um, 
It's going to be Nate and DJ Bernsey ho- um, doing the hosting and DJing. It's actually DJ Bernsey's retirement party. To, well, oh. retirement from AMX tonight. It's okay. We're going on tour for the Weird City tour together. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll get we'll get to that in cool. a second. But I, I, at at this point, with I mean, you've been doing it for three, four years now. We're in our fourth year. Four year, yeah. yeah. So, have you seen any anybody that started at AMX and then now they're playing, you know, well, uh, Empire Stubs or maybe touring? Yeah. I mean, so I would say um, I'm hesitant to say started at AMX because I don't want to take credit for their grind. Sure. But I will say that I've seen people who were coming to AMX when they were newer, uh, less established, and who have, like, just gotten their game tight and now are just ruling stuff. Um, I mean, I can't, you know, like, I don't want to take credit for their career or anything like that. That's not... That's that's what I'm afraid of. You know, sometimes yeah, when, yeah, I, sure. when I talk about this stuff, I watch my mouth because, you know, rappers are sensitive and I'm not trying to <laughs> say that. It's true. I'm sensitive, Good job too. being professional. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's the that's the idea. But, yes, to answer your question, yeah, I have uh, seen people come through, uh, hone their craft there, and then go on. The one that comes to mind right off the top of my head is uh, this kid, um, William Brewer. He used to go by Weenie Hut. Then he went by Hut. Uh, now he goes by Willing. He's changed his name so many times. I always give him shit about it. But mm-hmm. he's an awesome kid. And we he was coming through AMX doing his crazy, like, hyper-lyrical, hyper-verbal, like, very bus drivery. Yeah. Um, and we liked him. And me and uh, when we had an AMX show at North Door, we booked it was uh, Milo and Safari Al coming through. And we booked him because he was huge fans of theirs. At that show, he met them. Mm-hmm. They followed his career, kept in touch, and he just moved to live with them and be on their label. Like, he oh, just moved fantastic. out of Austin. Wow. So that happened over two and a half years. So absolutely, there are people who I've seen just, like, hone that up and be part of our events and then go on and sh- totally shine solo. And that's the idea, to be honest. We don't want AMX to be a thing where... Um, it's like the cool, you know, like the kids who won the uh, football championship come back to, <laughs> yeah. to you know, and we I, want we want you to graduate. You know, we want you to we want it to be a community, but um, we don't want to be your entire game. We want to be a support network so that you can reach higher. You know, that's the whole idea. And when he wins a Grammy, you, you, he's got to have to say shout out to AMX. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's exactly. all you ask for well, before they leave. Yeah, like, yeah. Just give me a shout no, out. That's, when the, you win a Grammy that's when the, the fine print at the bottom of the sign up <laughs> sheet. <laughs> That is that is true. So uh, let's talk about Weird City Hip Hop uh, quickly. Uh, the first one I thought was dope. I don't know I what had it a great took. Time. I don't know what it took to book people like Ferry Monch and Gene Gray, Black Milk. I mean, this is Dilated Peoples. Like I loved, I loved it all. Um, so what what was it like to you know put this in together? Because like you said, that there's there was no hip hop festival. Yeah. In Austin. Well, and the genesis from that idea just came from that very exactly that. Like, why is there not a hip hop festival here right now? And, you know, let's try to do it. Um, So, yeah, the first year, that was a great partnership between um, us and Herd um, that made that first year possible. And, uh, I mean, just a lot of blood, sweat and tears and work and on both sides, on both sides of the aisle there, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, And... uh, Man, I, I really I had a great time with that. And now we're in a position with Weird City. We just did uh so we had to cancel last right. year, which right. was was terrible, but um I always try to look on the bright side of things and keep going and hit the continue button on stuff. Um just like video games. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah. Right. But the idea was, you know, like after that happened, it was a, definitely a huge oh shit moment. And we sat and we talked and we said what we need to do is uh, prove that this is all about, you know, this is really all about Austin hip hop to begin with. So uh, that's why we did our makeup show at Spider House. Yes. Um, 30 local artists who had already been booked. Unfortunately, we didn't have enough space logistically to include all the locals that we had previously booked, but we did our best and uh, we sold that out. We were at capacity on that. So um, to me, that's, uh, I'm very grateful and like kind of gushily so about um, the community support for for those ideas. You know, even when we got kind of beaten down and had to come back, like, the community had our back, and now I feel very, uh, very excited about slowly and intelligently building this festival well, back up. The idea with the tour, I think, is 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 perfect. Because you're, you're get, you get, one, you get to export Austin hip-hop, that's you know, big. all over the country. Yeah. And wait, it's all over the country. Not it's yet. Just Texas. Yeah. This is just Texas. Just, just but Texas, yes, right? that yes. is in the that is planned. Actually, right. Can you talk a little bit more about the tour? Yeah. Absolutely. So basically, yeah, just what you're saying. Like, uh, um, first of all, for me personally as an artist, touring has always been the one thing that I like need to do. 
Like all my, you know, when I talk to friends and bands and stuff, mm-hmm. they're like, you're doing everything you need to be doing, but you need to tour. That's the one thing you're not doing. So right. for me, that's been a big thing lo- looming over me for a while. And whether, you know, I haven't because of many reasons, organizing the fest or what it not, you get sucked into stuff. Mm-hmm. But, uh, basically this is an opportunity for weird city to kind of act, um, to kind of go be an ambassador for some Austin hip hop acts around Texas, um, we tried to book people who represent like a variety of different styles, but they've all played weird city. Um, and so this is really like, this is the first run and hopefully it will be the first in a series of more. So you're taking how many band, how many groups? Six you? groups. Six they groups. are, um, I'm, I'm going to be going with, um, uh, my friend secret levels. Uh, he and I used to rap in space camp together. Space camps on Death squad. Hi- yeah, exactly. <laughs> so space camp death squads on hiatus right now, actually. But, uh, so Colton and I, are working on a new uh, album with Bird Peterson right now. Oh, that's the and so you couldn't pick a better guy than Bird. No, I love <laughs> I love Andrew him. is a genius. The beats are, man. I'm let me just say I'm grateful to be able to rap on those beats. The fucking Bird, man. It's so good. Um, so yeah, we're working on that project. So he and I are gonna co tease that, um, play some of those new songs, mm-hmm. and then we got KB the Bubonic, um, Square, and No One Important who have teamed up to call uh, for a group called And More. Um, and then a crew five four, Feral the Earthworm. Now I have, so, a qu- I have a question for this tour. Um, yeah. Who's handling like the traveling logistics? I am. You are. So He's doing everything. Is there anything? <laughs> is there anything you've learned in recent days that you should probably do um, when you're when you're when you're calculating logistics? Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think uh, making sure that. So uh, yeah, we were talking before the program started. I ran out of gas on the way to Lockhart yesterday <laughs> uh, nice. with my dad in the car. Um, my dad drove down a used car so I can trade in my scooter, uh, and finally have a vehicle so I can pursue things like touring. And, uh, <laughs> both of us conveniently forgot to think about the gas, decided to go get barbecue. There's and a needle on your dashboard just for that. <laughs> I mean, it, it, it blows my mind. In my defense is my first time driving this new car. <laughs> it's still the needle. <laughs> I don't care. It says E. You still don't have a good, once you drive a car for a little while, you get a better understanding of like how E it is. You never <laughs> yeah. know. Exactly. I, I don't think you never know. <laughs> but anyway, I want, I want to get more into your style of hip-hop and then kind of get into a broader uh, topic about hip-hop. But one thing I like about your shit, I don't mean to call it your shit, but whatever. <laughs> it's my shit. Uh, yeah, it's your shit. All right. One thing I like about your shit is that you don't take yourself seriously. You not know, to, a, a, a lot of, uh, no, you don't try, you don't try, you're just don't. Good. And... It's it's one of those like I saw the the video for like turtles don't do drugs <laughs> yeah <laughs> from the rap song yeah. from the book yeah from the book uh, that other uh, video they watch they watching us mm-hmm. and so it, it's really it really goes goes back to you know there is a, a trend right now of hip hop being all trap and you know shoulder press music and hmm. everybody wants to sound like future and all that stuff and here you are. You know, doing songs about Ninja Turtles and drugs <laughs> awesome. and about social media. So can, can you speak to that a little bit? Yeah, I mean, I just the so I learned very early on uh, doing rap not to rap about shit I don't know about. Uh, <laughs> Ninja Turtles. It's <all> <laughs> so, 100. Yeah, exactly. So to me, like uh, I learned at some point that, oh, that's what keeping it real means. <laughs> uh, so. <laughs> So yeah, I uh, I just rap I, I rap about me, but really this this new album um, shift the whole the whole kind of mentality behind that was first of all I wanted to make an album that was like a headphone album you can kind of like you can burn a little something, put on some headphones, chill out, listen to it. But I wanted it to be about us because my last album before it was so like emo and about me. I wanted this one to, first of all, what you said, not take myself so seriously mm-hmm. and just talk about how the world's changing in an entertaining way. So yeah, that they watching song that's about, uh, yeah, social media, par- how we're all paranoid now, you know, how we're all that worried that either we're not being watched enough or we're being watched by the wrong people. You know, it's one of those two things. No one's, and it makes us less comfortable in our own skin. So that video is kind of a you know a parody showing me all wigged out, like finding secret cameras all over my house. So do you just like wake up, like what what's your real quick? What is your process like? You know, you're driving down the street, you notice something like, oh, I could do a song about that, or <laughs> you have a dream and you wake up like, oh, I could write a few bars about this. Um, for me, it's a it, a lot of it comes from conversations and freestyles. Um, oh, so you still go out on freestyle? You do have ciphers during? Yeah, your I do. Next. I do ciphers, but. 
the number. Okay, so I'm really excited that I finally have a car for the first time in three years since my last one drowned in the flood downtown. <laughs> but the maybe the reason I'm most excited is because I think my writing game is going to get up because I do most of my freestyling in the car. I'll just burn a CD or make a playlist on my phone of uh-huh. a shit ton of beats. I try to keep them beats from producers I know, even if I don't have the rights to them. I'm not going to record to it. Don't worry, producers. But mm-hmm. I like to work with styles that I know or from people that I might work with. And then I uh, sometimes will record myself or whatnot, and then I'll go listen through it. And I'll take notes on my phone. Um, like, uh, I just look at the track list for this thing. Like, um, They Watching was inspired for that very reason. I was in the car listening to the beat, and I was just like, they watching me. And then I just thought, what, who's watching me? There's multiple meanings to that. What could that be about? And then uh-huh. from there, it was just like, well... I'm being watched on my phone. I'm being watched by police when I, if when I'm driving by, or I feel I do. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm. So then it just became about paranoia. Um, there's uh, another track on the album called Marks, which um, we're about to release a music video for that I worked with Fleshlight on. Uh, Fleshlight. Yeah. For those who don't know. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You can Google that. Um, Do your Googles. Look at Fleshlight. They're not an, flashlight. Fleshlight. Fleshlight. They're an Austin-based company. Um, I did not know that. <laughs> yeah, they're an Austin-based company. They've been doing more, um, trying to do more sex-positive stuff. And this song I approached them about because it was already, that was my goal. I've been wanting to make a video like this for a long time, kind uh-huh. of genuine and sexy, but not pornographic, like... On that cusp, right? sex, Yeah, on the cusp. Sex positivity, body positivity, all that good stuff. But uh, that's that song, to answer your question about the process, um, came from a conversation. I was talking to some friends. We were talking about the way uh, we rap about... Actually, it was a space camp meeting. We started talking about sex in rap and how we talk about it. And I was like, you know what? I want to do a song that's like really filthy and dirty and explicit, mm-hmm. but like totally sexy and consensual and cool you know? <laughs> like because because t- i feel like too much of the time a lot of sex songs i hear are either a little too corny for me or they're all about like they remind me of like a, to be blunt like a 16 year old boy like i got laid i am cool you know right. like pretty much so so i wanted to do the uh i wanted to do the the thing where it's like this is a song for adults who know what sex is mm-hmm. it's not shocking or new to them and this is a song about rough sex, but we're going to make it sexy. And I want it to be something that women can listen to and enjoy as well. Right. So on, on that note, I mean, it, it's uh, you're almost going against what hip hop has, beco- has become in the sense that like you hear these these uh, these rappers that go on radio shows and do freestyles. And a yeah. lot of it, you know, the bitch be on my dick. And then I'm yeah. like, well, OK, what else you got? Yeah. You know, yeah. And, and, and I guess my question to you is. Um, you know there there is this rise of trap hip hop. Yeah, do, do you see that a lot? And is it pretty much what these young MCs are doing at AMX? It's a lot of it, but I will say that I would say it's a split. Um, 50, and 50, 60, 40. 60, 40 is probably about right. 60, 60 trap, trap 40. Oh, lyrical. Wow. But the the cool thing about that is that all these people are still working with each other. They're not like clicking up. Like the trap kids are ma- are doing are helping out on the hooks for the lyrical kids, you know, and the lyrical oh, kids are like. So it's still because that's like I don't, I that's not a style that I always love listening to. I can definitely party to it, but I'm definitely a guy who's drawn to lyrics, and I kind of always have been. But I don't want to be squashing anybody what what's fun for them because, like I was talking about earlier today, I was into some music that I don't like anymore, but it was a stepping stone to get me to what I'm into now. So right, um, I mean, I'll, I'll say this: I'm a, I'm a '90s kid, yeah, uh, you know, golden age and all that stuff. And my beef with the trap hip hop is that it there's no diversity in it at all. Like, it, I feel like everybody either sounds like Young Thug or like Future, and it sounds like Hummin' a 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 Hummin
designer has a song and it sounds like somebody from Atlanta. Yeah. And it, I don't care where you're from. Show me something else. Yeah, Outcast it's like, it. like the internet, like yeah. creating this sort of uh, like common denominator. Pretty much. Um, exactly. I agree that it's happening. Yeah. I, and I mean, music's being globalized in that sense. It is. Uh, and it's, um, uh, I don't want to, I can rant about this for no, a long no, time. No, no. I, I want to get your take on that. Yeah. Well, the, the thing is, is that, yeah, I, um, I'm very, my philosophy is stay in your lane because I know what my lane is. I know I, so I just put out an album uh, that is very boom bappy and 90s inspired. It's supposed to be. I meant it that way. But I don't want the next album to sound like that because I don't want to be pigeonholed as an artist. I'm very, I'm in love with Prince. I'm very inspired by that. I love how each album sounds a little different. And that's always what I've wanted to do. I don't want, this album sounds totally different from my last one before it. And I want the next one to sound different from that. So I'm always trying to just be myself and do what I think is cool. When it comes to the trap stuff, yeah, you're talking about everyone trying to sound alike. I do think that's a problem because while there is uh, maybe more camaraderie between people who have a similar sound, you need that innovation. You need people who are willing to say, exactly. I don't want to do that. I'm going to try this. And for me, it's about staying in my lane because to me, it's like I'm getting to where I need to go in my lane. And this other lane next to me, oh, it looks like the traffic's moving a little faster over there. Uh-huh. But the more people who move over to get in that faster traffic, it slows down just like the one you're in. You're mm. actually better Good analogy. staying in the one you're nice. in. Nice, I like that. That because should be a t-shirt. Too many people, man, because that's the thing. Like, if I if I turned around and tried to make a trap album tomorrow, I could make a dope. I'm not saying I could, but I'm saying if I made a dope trap album and I put it out in a week, it would be too late. Because I would have already missed my opportunity. Because people would be like, oh, you sound like everyone else. Why should I pay attention? No, exactly. But if I make my own shit and then trap is still around... It's cool. I don't. I can exist in a world with trap. We're not competing with each other. No. And actually, it's better for me because then someone's like, oh, variety. Yeah, I'll check your stuff out. It's mm-hmm. new. But I, I think that, like, I understand the business side of it in a sense that you're an artist. You know that you have to capture, you know, a kid's attention. You have five seconds to do so. Yeah. So if you do something that's too out of line, people won't necessarily acknowledge you or check out your stuff. So there's a formula that, mm-hmm. that needs, from a marketing standpoint, that um, artists has have to abide to, otherwise they get forgotten. And you have to keep cranking out these songs because then you get forgotten. So then you just become a product. No, it, it is, and not yeah. an artist. No, it, it is. I mean, and and that's why you hear a lot about artists that just came out, they had a hit song, and then they were not productive enough, so they're gone. Trinidad James. Exactly. That was a good. That was, yeah, a, that was great a great example. example. That was a great example. Yeah. So you know, it, it's people like that, and and you're like, okay, so. I was always a strong believer that, you know, you have the mainstream, you have the stuff that's on radio, the stuff you hear in the club, great. But then you have the underground. Mm-hmm. And my my experience has always been that the best shit is on the ground. Yeah. If you do your homework and that's you go That's like check, a universal rule of living be. in the world. Like, the best shit is always closer to the ground. Yeah. And, and, and I think that's that's your approach we should have. So, yes, you have your... Everybody talked about Kendrick Cole and, uh, mm-hmm. um, and Drake. Okay, there's your, there's your trinity right there. Who else is up there? Yeah. If you want to... And then you have the second tier where you have the two chains, all these big guys. And then you have all these other artists who are doing all great stuff, but mm-hmm. you have to dig for it. And you have to, you know, iTunes, Google, YouTube, Spotify, whatever. Or your older brother just, you know, yeah, shows up yeah. and says, hey, dude, you got to check out this cat. You know, you got to check out Torre. You got to check out, you know, uh, these artists. And, and, and I think that... If we keep moving in this direction, you know, yes, you're going to have this bubble of, you know, big, poppy, uh, money-making stuff. But I think that underground is where it's at. And yeah. That's where it always will be. Yeah. I think access to underground has exploded as well. Exactly. Like, it's much easier now. With Spotify. You go to SoundCloud. You'll search iTunes, for that. Yeah, mm-hmm. all that. Uh, you know, there's, there's, we've talked about this before. There's like a discovery channel on Spotify that I always listen to and I find people that... Only have like a thousand spins. But you have to I show love me it. that. You have to show me that because I want. I want that's, I was looking for exactly that the other day on Spotify. Oh, it's so great! I found so much new music, and then I see those people at South by, and they're at the very bottom of the ACL list. Yeah, yeah. But I love it. Right? Yeah. Well, they're on their way. I. Uh, yeah. In terms of the, in terms of that, like uh, different sort of the mainstream versus the underground in that way. I mean, I feel like there's always been that, you know, there's al- there's always been room for the pop music and there's always been room for this. But me personally, I don't I just don't have interest in being a um, uh, a product. I want to make like you, you had said earlier, capturing a kid's attention within five seconds. 
I would like to have a few songs that can do that, but I don't make my albums for kids. I make them for adults, you know? Like, exactly. I make them for adults who the like music. The underserved community of <laughs> yeah. aging rap fans. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, like, I make it for people to have fun, but I'm not making, I'm not making something that's going to get stuck in a 14-year-old kid's head. I'm making uh-huh. something that uh, a 26-year-old might re- relate to, you know? There's a difference. Or, well, a, thir- or a 33-year-old. Or on, the, a- on the ground of hip-hop for adults. Yeah. Made in Austin. I used to call myself consenting rap or uh, rap for consenting adults. <laughs> That's a nice tagline. Yeah, I like it. I like it. I like it. I like it. So all, all in all, I mean, you're doing Mike Exchange. You're doing uh, the Word City Hip Hop Festival. Plus, you're staying, you're staying in your own lane. And whatever, whatever comes next, I think it's still, you still want to have, you're still going to have that this is P-Tech. You know, this is a P-Tech sound. This is what I do. This is the mm-hmm. kind of content I want to bring up. This is the kind of issues that I want to discuss. I want to open it up to aging, you know, hip-hop fans. <laughs> well, not just that. No, 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 I, say, I, I say aging because they're not, they're not 21. That's, right, that's the right. reason why I'm saying that. Just just in terms of numbers, not in terms of right, we're right. old and gray and shit. I'm, I'm sure you're that. All right. <laughs> it's like, don't tell, the, don't tell the kids not to listen to my no, music. No. <laughs> Give them a chance. <laughs> Hey, but hey, if they do the, they do their homework, you know, they see you doing your stuff. I mean, shit. I mean, I think that everybody wants to know. Okay, what is what is the next thing? What is the mm-hmm. next like popping thing? Who is actually making moves? Everybody's on the on the radar for that. Yeah. As soon as an artist start stop cranking this thing, everybody's onto the next thing. Mm-hmm. And you know, if you keep doing what you're doing, I mean, shit. I, I mean, that's the goal. I just want to stand out because I am who I am and I don't compromise it. And I got, I mean, the, there's the AMX and Weird City. Quick plug on the stuff. I'm, this is what I got going on right now. Yeah. So besides the tour and AMX, which is an ongoing thing, um, I'm going to be putting out a zine of my lyrics for Shift paired with illustrations with Rapa because um, I like this idea of having art things that are associated um, so we're going to have a book of art and lyrics from the, from the new album. Love got, that. Got the next album coming out with Bird Peterson and Secret Levels. Got this video coming out with Fleshlight called Marks, which is a sexually explicit but arty video. Trust Teaser. me, got the, seal of, got the seal of approval from the girlfriend, so I know it's not too... Oh, nice. It's not too You don't bad. own a Fleshlight. Well, right. I told her... I told No, they gave me like four. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> I got a museum now. <laughs> no, um... I told you I was a collector. Uh, <laughs> no, but uh, yeah, just for me, it's just keep keep going. That's that's always that's all always the best advice I've ever gotten too. People see you play and they're like, you know, just keep doing it, keep doing it. And the one thing that I haven't been doing that I know I need to is tour and knocking that out this month. So hopefully that sets me up to keep going on that because, man, yeah, um, it can be treacherous waters. And believe me, like if you're an artist listening to me right now. Um, don't think I'm not like constantly anxious and worried about if this shit's going to work out or not. Cause I am, I'm not like super, I would love to be that super confident guy, but the only thing I can do is, uh, to be me and try to make shit that I'm proud of, you know? Well, there you are. That's there it. You are. That's what keeps you on your toes. Yes. Exactly. Yes. Yes. All right. Let's, uh, do some, uh, weekend picks quickly. Uh, see what's going on this weekend. Captain Kirk, birthday bash. Word. Shout out to Captain Kirk. Happy uh, he's, been on, he's been on the podcast before. Go check him out. He's having his big party. Party. Yeah. On Saturday, 7 p.m. in Power Control Room, uh, featuring Sip Sip, Holiday Mountain, uh, Dreamboat, Satellites. You're going to have live painting, live art, uh, live writing photo booth. I haven't seen that. That's, that, that looks dope. Oh, mm. cool. $10 $10 general admissions, 15 if you want a poster. It looks pretty nice. Uh, and $5 surcharge if you're 18 and uh, if you're under 21. So, Miko, you got a pick for the weekend? I just thought Pillar Grove. So, they do, they, they do an event every month, but their events this weekend. It's Friday at Empire Garage, $5. Lat music, Caribbean music. Um, uh, Wu- the Wu-Tang Clan of DJs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, just check them out if you haven't before. If you're looking for something to do Friday, that's a great thing to do. Shout out to Chiriso Funk, my boy. That's Odeon, Manny, yep, all Manolo them. Black, all those guys. So, any events you want to plug real quick? Uh, I mean, the only event I have coming up in the near future is the tour kickoff party. So that's at Stay Gold on May 26th. Nice. And that's going to be everyone I talked about earlier, Crew 54, Square, KB, um, playing that show to kick off our tour before we leave for Texas. So Sweet. Uh, and I've never performed at Stay Gold before, so it's always exciting it's nice to bust cherry on a new venue. Yeah. Where can they find more information about that? Uh, about that, austinmikeexchange.com. You can also find anything related to Austin Mike Exchange at uh, facebook.com slash austinmikeexchange or facebook.com slash weirdcityfest. As far as my stuff goes, I am P-T-E-K music 
across platforms. That's Twitter. That's Facebook. That's, that's IG. Easy. That's every PTE, P-Tech music. So uh, that's where you can keep up. I just got a Snapchat. I'm finally adapting to this new world. <laughs> another, you probably saw one. me. It's a lot to keep up I with. Know. I, I want to encourage one more plug in, plug for yourself. Uh, what are you doing after this uh, podcast? What am I doing after this podcast? It's Tuesday. It's Tuesday. Oh, AMX. <laughs> Yeah, I thought I thought that you guys like had a surprise for. I thought the door was gonna fly open. This is what you're, you're doing. Hey, your dad is here. Your dad's here. Um, yeah, AMX tonight. Thank you for reminding me. It's every week, so it becomes just part of the routine. Yeah, right. Just um, shows up. Like, why am I here? Oh, yeah. Right. Gonna make sure I listen now. Now, Austin Mike Exchange tonight, Tuesday nights. Uh, it starts at 11 p.m. That's when doors right after the poetry slam. And uh, we are going to have Nate hosting, longtime host. We're going to have DJ Bernsey, who always kills it, especially during the Cypher. And uh, Bernsey's joining us on tour. He's uh, kind of going to be joining the Weird City fam, but he is going to not be doing AMX anymore, except possibly as an emergency sub. Uh, so come out and say bye-bye to Bernsey cool, and cool. Uh, rap with us. Cool, cool. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. Shout out to everybody in the chat. Thank you for uh, tuning in. We appreciate it. Shout out to Miko. Thank you so much for doing your thing, as always. Mm-hmm. As always. I have all the links to all your stuff on the post. Bet. And uh, make sure you subscribe to the Feedback Podcast uh, on iTunes, uh, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. Leave a review. That really helps us, you know, uh, bring it up on, in the I- iTunes store and stuff. Uh, follow, the, follow the feedback on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. It's everything. The Feedback BAK, of course, is I love my name. <laughs> we do this every Tuesday, so make sure you tune in. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. You have a good one, and we'll talk to you next week. Ciao, ciao. Obama out. What? (laughs) (laughs) It's the new tagline. P-Tech out. P-Tech out. out. Miko out. We'll talk to you next time. Ciao.